You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Thank you, Anne, and welcome to All About Skills. This is a weekly series of programs about the skills that your children and grandchildren will need, skills that you need to get ahead in your career, and those that we all need to function effectively for our constitutional republic to survive. My name is Charlie Jett, and I'm coming to you from our studio high above the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in beautiful downtown Chicago. Now, in the last program, we talked about work-based learning and some of the ways that the critical skills may be taught. This week, I'm going to cover one specific way, a proven way, to teach the critical skills. It takes work, but it does the job, big time. This is episode number 17, and it's about what are called field studies. So let's get started. Now, we've briefly touched on field studies in previous episodes, but this time we're going to go into them in much more detail. A field study is a project conducted by a team of students to address one or more issues concerning a client. Field studies are among the most comprehensive and challenging exercises that a teacher can choose to teach the critical skills to students. The field studies were highlighted by the Secretary's Commission on Achieving Necessary Skills, called SCANS, in the 1993 United States Department of Labor publication called Teaching the SCANS Competency. These were an example of effective means of teaching the skills. Field studies are hard to conduct, the problem being that most teachers are not trained to supervise such exercises. But don't be alarmed. In this episode, I'm going to try to show you how to field a team and supervise a field study by giving an example. Now you can do it. The field study consists of the following. First, writing a confirmation letter or document that outlines the problem, the work steps, and the product to be delivered. Second, creating a work plan to manage the time. Third, collecting the relevant data and testing it for truth. Fourth, conducting the analysis, developing the findings, conclusions, and recommendations. And finally, preparing and delivering the final report to the client. Field studies are the kind of project that a student usually encounters for the first time in graduate school. The process described in this episode is essentially the same process that a Harvard Business School student would conduct during his or her second year in the program. It is also the process taught to newly hired management consultants at major consulting firms. Those facts might intimidate some educators at the high school level, but high school students, even properly supervised middle school students, are fully capable of doing them. The challenge is for a teacher to just take the time and engage a team of students in the local community. Opportunities for field studies with local organizations are abundant. All you, as a teacher or supervisor, need to do is plunge into the process, learn how to conduct a field study, 
and give your students an experience that they will never forget. Now I cover field studies in great detail on my field studies blog and the address is, if you want to check it out and get the details, is fieldstudiesblog.com. That's fieldstudiesblog.com. Now while it is important to engage students in an area that interests them in a field study, the primary purpose of such a study is to teach skills, not content knowledge. It's not the intent to teach any students the principles of finance, marketing, or any other business discipline. Instead, field studies teach the critical skills, skills that the student will need not only in college, but throughout life and throughout their careers. Believe it or not, field studies are appropriate for middle school students too, for high school students, of course, for the college-bound student, as well as students in college or, for that matter, in graduate school. Field studies require the students to work as a team, to formulate a problem, to break the problem down into its component parts, to determine the issues to be addressed, to determine the data need to address those issues, to collect the data and test it for truth, to develop interview guides, and to conduct face-to-face -face interviews, to analyze the data that has been verified and develop findings, conclusions, and recommendations, and finally to prepare a written and oral report and then present it to the client. You should be confident that students from middle school through graduate school can do these steps when properly supervised. Now when conducting a field study you'll be teaching the entire set of the critical skills which as you remember are defined as those skills that an individual needs to master in order to advance in any career. These aren't the kinds of skills that you teach by standing up in front of a classroom and lecturing to a group of students. To teach the critical skills, you must engage the students, interact with them, have them understand what the skills are, and supervise them as they practice and master those skills. Certainly you can do these things in nearly any kind of an academic course, but not by lecturing and have stu having students just take notes and regurgitating the facts that they've learned. Rather, you have to prompt the engagement, interact back and forth with them, ask open-ended questions, listen to their responses, and ask questions about what they say. Make them think. Make them express themselves orally and in writing. In a course where you are teaching content knowledge about some academic subject like mathematics, science, social studies, and the like, you can engage the students and help them practice the critical skills. This is hard for some teachers to do, I know but your students will learn not only the academic content that you are trying to teach, but they will be practicing the critical skills in the process. Now to reassure you about the effectiveness of field studies, let me share with you some comments made by some people who really know what they're talking about. First is Dr. Arnold Packer, who was the former executive director of the Secretary's Commission on Achieving Necessary Skills, SCANS. He says, Given the growing consensus on the importance of soft skills, as defined in SCANS, P21, and others, field studies is a welcome addition to Charlie Jett's books and podcasts on the subject. We have to move from knowing to doing on this issues, 
and field studies provide a solid roadmap for the trip. Another authority is Dr. Benson P. Shapiro, distinguished marketing professor from the Harvard Graduate School of Business Administration. And, and Professor Shapiro says, field studies present a great way to teach student, students life skills, such as communications, project management, and teamwork. Everyone needs these skills, regardless of their occupation. The program does a wonderful job of providing a detailed framework for supervising and executing field studies. Now, speaking about the Harvard Business School, have you ever wondered why that school, the Harvard Business School, is held in such high esteem? It's not just because the institution has outstanding professors. It is because the school challenges its students with three field studies, called cases, every day for two full years. The Harvard Business School uses the Socratic method of teaching. Approximately 70 very bright MBA students gather in a large room set up like a theater with the following or the facilitating professor down in front with a large blackboard in the background. During the course of the class, which consists of a case study about a specific business with issues to be resolved, the professor does not lecture. Instead, he or she guides a discussion. The students are the teachers in that they discuss the case and argue amongst themselves about the substance of the case, the findings, the conclusions, and the recommendations. They learn through active participation in class. Most often, the information in the case is not totally complete, and there will be several different approaches to the case analysis, as well as several different resolutions. Sometimes, but not always, the professor will reveal in the end how the issues were actually resolved. But this is not really important. What is important is the intera interaction among the students and the lively debates that occur. The Socratic method. Now, the Socratic, Socratic method teaches critical thinking. The foundation for critical thinking describes the Socratic method as follows. Let me quote. They say, the oldest and still the most powerful teaching tactic for fostering critical thinking is Socratic teaching. In Socratic teaching, we focus on giving students questions, not answers. We model an inquiring, probing mind by continuously probing into the subject with questions. Fortunately, the abilities we gain by focusing on the elements of reasoning in a disciplined and self-assessing way and the logical relationship that results from such a disciplined thought process prepares us for Socratic questioning. As a tactic and approach, Socratic questioning is a highly disciplined process. The Socratic questioner acts as the logical equivalent of the inner critical voice which the mind develops when it develops critical thinking abilities. The contributions from the members of the class are like so many thoughts to the mind. All of the thoughts must be dealt with, and they must be dealt with carefully and fairly. By following up all answers with further questions, and by selecting questions which advance the discussion, the Socratic questioner focuses the class and forces them to think in a disciplined, intellectually responsible manner, while yet continually aiding the students by posing facilitating questions.
A Socratic questioner should do the following. 1. Keep the discussion focused. 2. Keep the discussion intellectually responsible. 3. Stimulate the discussion with probing questions. 4. Periodically summarize what has and what has not been dealt with or resolved. And 5. Draw in as many students as possible to the discussion. Now this about Socratic thinking was taken from the Foundation for Critical Thinking. Now this process is precisely what takes place during the course of a field study with a team of students. The students must utilize the following critical skills. Communications. They must, as a team, read, write, listen, and speak. Production. They must transform their understanding of the issues to be resolved into a clear final report. Information. They must gather information that is relevant and true regarding the issues they are addressing. Analysis. They must develop their findings, conclusions, and recommendations. Technology. They must decide what technology they plan to use during the course of developing their work plan, conducting their analysis, and preparing and deliver their, delivering their final report. Interpersonal. Each member of the team must contribute positively to the total effort. And time management. The team must plan the field studies process to resolve the issue and or issues and deliver though their report on time. Field studies are demanding of both students and teachers. They force members of the student team to think together. They teach the student how to clearly articulate what they have learned. They require team members to work productively together and they force the student team to manage their time and complete the work on time. They also require a teacher or facilitator to understand the Socratic method and effectively guide the team through the field study process. How to be a teacher or facilitator for a field study is much like the role of the teacher of case studies. And while there are many different articles written on the subject of teaching case studies, one of the best is the Stanford University Newsletter on Teaching from back in 1994, Volume 5, Number 2, the article called Teaching with Case Studies. Now this article, which was written many years ago, has stood the test of time and generally re uh, repeats the Socratic teaching concepts that I described earlier. It provides methods and tips for the process. And again, you can access this by just Googling Stanford University Newsletter on Teaching, and the article's name is Teaching with Case Studies. Now, another excellent and timeless source that gives hints about teaching case studies was written by Professor Benson P. Shapiro of the Harvard Business School. I must admit that as a Harvard Business School student in 1970, I had the privilege of attending the first case study class that was ever taught by uh, Professor Shapiro, and the case was Hesper Silver. I will never forget that. And while I was totally impressed by what transpired during the class, I didn't have a clue about the kind of teaching that was taking place. I was just afraid that Professor Shapiro might call on me. His excellent comments and perspective are contained in the brochure Hints for Case Study Teaching, and the entire brochure can be downloaded in PDF format from the Harvard Business School website. Now after that lengthy introduction, 
I'll get back to the purpose of this episode, and that's to enable you as a teacher or facilitator to actually be that Socratic method facilitator for a field study team. All it takes is confidence, practice, understanding the Socratic method, identifying a local organization with an issue or issues to be resolved, fielding a team, and getting started. Now I'm going to describe the field studies process by giving a real example one that was conducted back in the early 1990s. This is covered in great detail on my blog, fieldstudiesblog.com, so you can go there and get the details. The Community Service Field Study, as we call it, was the first field study that we, con we conducted. It was conducted by six female high school students, five juniors and one senior, to create a community service internship program for their schools. The students conceived the idea, structured the field study, carried it out, and set up the management system for a program that enabled hundreds of college-bound students to participate in meaningful community service work-based learning activities for over 20 years. Now here's a little background. Wheaton, Illinois is a city in the western suburbs of Chicago with an excellent, excellent school system, community unit school district 200, and a majority of the students from the, the two high schools, Wheaton North and Wheaton Warrenville South, have strong academic programs with many advanced placement classes. Each school has many extracurricular activity programs in performing arts, speech, debate, and a wide variety of athletics. Now, most parents in the community view their children as college-bound and typical of the times in the early 1990s and late 1980s. Most parents viewed programs that involved work-based learning to be for those students for whom college was not in their future. Certainly, their children should not participate in what they termed vocational education. In 1981, the U.S. Secretary of Education created the National Commission on Excellence in Education and directed it to present a report on the quality of education in America to the American people by April of 1983. In the spring of 1983, the Commission delivered its report, A Nation at Risk, the Imperative for Educational Reform. While this report sounded like an alarm for improvement of academic subjects across the board, it also pointed out the need for emphasis on such rudiments as reading and computation, as well as essential skills such as comprehension, analysis, solving problems, and drawing conclusions. When the Secretary's Commission on Achieving Necessary Skills, the SCANS report, pointed out the need for work-based know-how by all students and the need for implementing programs in schools to address this need, this prompted me to contact the local high schools to see if we could join together in conducting a feasibility study for meaningful work-based learning experience in the district. Both principals at Wheaton North High School and Wheaton Warrenville South High School agreed to the study and were delighted that those doing the study would be their own students. After we assembled the team of students, our first step was to meet and discuss what was to be done. We agreed that we would need to meet with the principals and outline for them what we planned to do. Specifically, we planned to identify service organizations in the greater Wheaton area, interview individuals at each of those organizations 
to discuss what kind of work students could be do, doing as unpaid interns, and then create job descriptions for each and make a presentation to the principals about the findings and conclusions of the study. Following the meeting with the principals, the students drafted a confirmation letter that articulated their findings of the situation, what they planned to do, how long it would take them to do the project, and what they expected to produce as a result. You can see the actual confirmation letter in my blog, fieldstudiesblog.com. During the first team meeting after delivery of the confirmation letter to the principals, we focused on creating a work plan for the project. The team outlined the specific goals for each step of the project to include the following. One, identification of the community organizations. Two, preparation of a detailed interview guide. Three, the data collection process. Four, in three steps, development of the findings, development of the conclusions, and development of the recommendations. Fifth, preparing the written report. And sixth, and finally, preparation of the oral report and presentation to the principals. The team then prepared a Gantt chart that showed the dates for interim team meetings, which were weekly, and set specific deadlines for each phase of the project. The Gantt chart enabled them to overlap some of the tasks that they were doing in order to manage their time effectively. You can get a copy of the field study work plan for this community service uh, project on the website fieldstudiesblog.com. At the next meeting, we began the data collection preparations. The team meeting was spent identifying approximately 35 not-profit, not-for-profit organizations in the Wheaton community and developing a detailed interview guide. The students asked for and received the cooperation from the school principals to assist, where appropriate, in contacting certain organizations and informing them that the student project was indeed legitimate. Two team meetings were required to prepare and finishing the, uh, to finish the interview guide. In conducting a field study, it is crucial to prepare this data collection instrument to ask specific questions relevant to the issues being addressed. Great care was taken in formulating each question and the interview guide provided not only a list of the questions in a logical sequence, but the appropriate introductory words and concluding remarks that the students would use during the interview process. Uh, this final interview guide is shown, as are some of the other things, in the blog, fieldstudiesblog.com. You can read it there. When this was completed, we began the data collection process. But prior to setting out to conduct the interviews, the team met to establish a set of rules and procedures to be following during the interview process. For each interview, these rules that they developed are as follows. One, all interviews will be conducted in teams of two. That was primarily for safety's sake. Two, the interview guide should be followed to the letter. Each question should be asked precisely as written in the, in the interview guide, with no deviations like no winging it. Each student team member should take notes during the interview. And then, very important, following each interview, the students should spend 15 to 20 minutes writing a short summary about what they learned during each interview and what specific quotes that might be helpful during the report writing and presentation process might be used. 
When a sufficient number of interviews had been conducted, that took about approximately three weeks after the interviews had started, with approximately, oh, I suppose 75% of them completed, the students held their first team meeting to begin the analysis process. The first step in this process was the development of findings. Now, a finding consists of a statement relevant to the issues being addressed and is derived entirely from the facts learned during the data collection or interview process. Findings are used as the foundation from which conclusions regarding the issues may be drawn. Findings are the result of an investigation. And in the course of developing their findings, the students were ca uh, cautioned not to confuse a finding with a fact or a finding with a conclusion. Findings tell you what the facts mean. Conclusions are statements of closure and are inferences drawn from the findings, which are true based on the facts. Recommendations are then made based on the conclusions drawn. With this in mind, the students focused on interpreting their clearly written notes and summaries from their interviews, taking one question from the interview guide at a time. The meeting was led by the team captain and supervised by a teacher. The students used the most useful tool in developing findings, a flip chart, placed in the front of the meeting room with each question giving at least one sheet. Each sheet contained no more information on it except that which was derived from the answers to one specific question. Essentially, the purpose of the meeting was to allow the students to dump core, that is to say, to discuss in detail the responses they heard for each question, putting their thoughts and responses to each question on a flip chart. The team focused on each question separately until the group felt what they had learned and documented on the flip chart was complete and accurate. The result for each question represented a, the best thinking of the team regarding the answer to that question. And when the students finished dumping core on a question, they carefully constructed one sentence that represented the consensus of the group. The sentence clearly articulated the finding from that question, and they wrote supporting bullet points under each sentence to back up their finding, these bullet points taken from the facts. In the written report, the findings have their own separate chapter and, all, and are written, each finding, is written in all caps and underlined. The supporting bullet points are not written in all caps. Here's an example of an actual finding from the field studies we conducted, and this sentence would be written in all caps. Throughout the community, there is a positive reception to the concept of an unpaid internship program for not-for-profit organizations. That's the finding. And the dot points to support that finding were as follows, and there were four of them. 100% of the organizations were receptive to the idea. Some organizations had existing programs for college-aged interns. A few organizations had hired students to fill maintenance positions. Several organizations worked with students who also provided a specific skill, for example, a lifeguard or a tutor. The students also wrote down on a separate flip chart page specific quotes they remembered from their notes that were relevant to the questions. These quotes, while not part of any final report, were useful in making the final oral presentation as examples. 
Now, at the end of all the findings, the students wrote a what's called a five-star summary to summarize what they had presented in the findings chapter. This five-star summary for the findings in this specific field study is as follows, and I'll quote. In summary, a large cross-section of not-for-profit community service organizations were interviewed in order to provide the foundation for an educational partnership between these organizations and our high schools. Although many of the organizations had worked with students, most of the jobs for high school age employees were not all educationally significant. All of the organizations were enthusiastic about the prospect of working with high school students in the future and providing them with work-based learning experiences that were relevant. They could identify several possible internship roles that would add value to their organizations as well as serve the experience needs of the student. The organizations expressed several concerns about the partnership program and also provided input about how the program could be structured to fit the needs of the students, schools, the community, and the organizations themselves. Now this process of developing findings might seem to be a little painstaking, but it pays huge dividends. Careful construction of the findings and the summary of the findings is essentially the draft of the findings chapter of the final report. Now as I described earlier when they conducted the work plan, a team can start the development of the finding process before all the interviews are conducted. As a rule of thumb, when about 75% of the interviews have been completed, you will have about 95% of the information you need. As subsequent interviews are completed, the information gathered from those interviews is added to the findings and where appropriate changes are made. When conducting a field study, you might find that the student team feels as though they do not have enough data to conduct the analysis, but this is really normal. There will never be perfect information. And at some point, the team must decide that there is enough or sufficient data and evidence to proceed with the analysis. As a rule of thumb, this point in the data collection process occurs when interview results consistently become similar in their results. The answers to the questions become the same over and over again. To make the de decision to stop the interviewing process and begin the analysis is a judgment call on the part of the field study coordinator or the team captain. It becomes a lesson for the team about enough is enough. Development of conclusions. After the findings were developed, the team started to work on the conclusions. Now, conclusions are a statement of closure about issues relevant to the field study. They are developed entirely from the findings and are supported at all levels by the facts. They are the cues of the logical expression P implies Q. And in order to be true, the P's have to be true. Therefore, the entire process of developing conclusions is based on findings that have been carefully developed from facts that have been tested for truth. Conclusions are drawn in a team meeting led by the team captain and should be devoted only to the development of the conclusions. The conclusions form the basis of the recommendations to follow. Now there's a strong similarity between drawing conclusions and developing findings. As with the findings, a flip chart is used along with a copy of the confirmation letter written to the client that articulates the issues to be addressed. 
In pages showing conclusions, each conclusion is written as a complete sentence in all caps and is underlined with bullet points as findings that support that conclusion. As with the findings, the conclusions and supporting bullet points form the conclusion chapter of the final report. And as with the findings chapter, a five-star summary of the conclusions is written on one page. Now, when the team felt that their conclusions had been re reached successfully and were supported by the findings and facts, they proceeded to develop and write down their recommendations based on their conclusions that, again, were supported by the findings and the facts. Recommendations. Recommendations are the action steps that the team believes the client should take to address the issues in the field study. The recommendations are based only on the findings and conclusions developed from the data collection process. By definition, recommendations should be worthy of endorsement and implementation by the client. In this particular field study, the community service field study, the recommendations were created in a slightly different manner from findings and conclusions in that each team member, given the findings and conclusions, developed his or her own recommendations independently from the other team members before the team meeting was held for recommendation. With this in mind, each team member was instructed to keep the following question in mind throughout the entire field study process, and that, and that question is as follows, quote, if I re were required to tell my client what to do about these issues today, what are three or four things that I would recommend? The recommendations in this field study included the following. First, the school district should set up a community service internship program and the students should design the proposed program. Secondly, the student team should set up the management system for the program and implement it immediately. Now we come to the final report. After completion of the analysis phase and with their findings, conclusions, and recommendations in hand, the students met to prepare their final report. The final report consisted of two parts, the written report and the oral presentation. Now since the students spent a great deal of time carefully crafting their sentences to define their findings, their conclusions, and recommendations, preparation of the written report was easy. In fact, all they needed to do was arrange their work into three chapters, findings, conclusions, and recommendations. Their final report was simply a written form of the report that they gave as their oral report. The students wrote a short introduction to their report and included, as appendices, their confirmation letter, their interview guide, their timetable, a list of the organizations to be interviewed, and their total work plan. The oral report was slightly different in structure but included the findings, conclusions, and recommendations chapters. The team captain served as the master of ceremonies, so to speak, and one team member presented the findings, another presented the conclusions, and another presented the recommendations, and all of the students fielded questions. Now a cardinal rule when making an oral presentation for a field studies is as follows and should be followed to the letter. When presenting findings, conclusions, or recommendations, read the headline sentence precisely as it is written. Do not ad lib. The reason for this is that a great deal of time and effort goes into creating and crafting those sentences for the findings, conclusions, and recommendations. 
Therefore, when in front of the audience, it's no time to shoot from the hip. Read them exactly as written. The students then presented their oral and written reports on schedule. The reports were well received and the next steps involved the students actually setting up the mechanics for implementation for the program. And as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this, this program lasted for 20 years. I think I should point out too that the development and implementation of this program cost the school district nothing. I should point out too that any school with a group of enthusiastic students and in a community where there are community service organizations, any school can do this project. And in fact, it has been implemented in a different city around the United States from time to time where it has worked precisely as I've described. Now that was an example of a field study that was conducted by a team of six high school students in Community Unit School District 200 in Wheaton, Illinois. And as I mentioned, you can do this in any school in the country. There are other kinds of field studies that you can do, and here's how to identify a field study. The most important advice for any teacher who embarks upon a field study with a team of students is as follows. Keep it simple and highly focused. Now, there's a tendency to become over-enthusiastic about the scope of the project, but two principles must be kept in, kept in mind. First, the field study is intended to teach the critical skills first, to solve the problem second. And second, and this is very important, the students must be successful in the field study. Do not make the problem to be solved beyond their capabilities. Now, based on experience working with students in field studies, the ideal project seems to be a limited market survey of some kind for client customers. Accordingly, we recommend these field studies for small businesses or other local organizations be limited to such market surveys and the issues addressed by students remain within a reasonable scope to match their abilities. The educational partner or the client must be prepared to make a commitment of time and participate with the students in various phases of the project. This participation should be limited to providing realistic guidance about what questions should be asked in the interviews, what expected results should be, and assistance in making contact with and or introductions for individuals who should be interviewed. Now, opportunities for field studies abound in every community and organization, and schools can do them. These organizations can be large or small. A school is limited only by its imagination to identify field study opportunities and projects, and to have the discipline and patience to guide a student team through the field study process. Here are some examples of field studies that were actually conducted at the high school level. And I might add, you can read about these various field studies on the blog, fieldstudiesblog.com. First, for a local medical clinic. The student team surveyed patients regarding their views on the medical and non-medical services provided by the clinic. This field study was sponsored by the American Medical Association, the AMA, and the findings, conclusions, and recommendations were presented to both the clinic and to the AMA for review and implementation. Now for a local healthcare services organization, 
the student team investigated the communication problems and issues between various affiliates of a large healthcare services organization, and they made recommendations to the president about, of the organization regarding how to solve these issues. For a local heating and air conditioning company, the student team surveyed homeowners about home comfort. The purpose of the field study was to determine the need for a newsletter from the heating and air conditioning company, what the newsletter should contain, and how often it should be issued, how it should be distributed, and the design of the newsletter itself. For a credit reporting agency, a large one, the student team investigated the financial impact of the agencies acquiring an 800 number and how that impact would be reflected in the increase of agency member dues. For the local city council, the student team was asked to investigate community service programs from around the nation in order to identify the top 10 that might meet the criteria for local youth programs. The team used the resources of the internet to post inquiries and, and the World Wide Web, followed by leads by telephone to areas around the countries where such programs were actually practiced. The team presented their findings and their top 10 programs to the local city council for consideration and implementation. For a local retailer, the student team was asked to conduct interviews of customers of a local copy shop to determine customer satisfaction with products and services offered by the business. The students were asked to develop findings and conclusions and to make recommendations that the business could use to improve the services to its customers. The team developed its report and presented it in writing and orally to the management of the business. And for the city manager and city council, the student team surveyed 10 communities to determine different approaches used by these communities to find or to fund local historical preservation societies. The team presented their findings and recommendations at a public meeting of the City Council. And for a local bank, the student team focused on identifying the market for banking services at the high school level. They discovered that while the local bank provided services for small children, the emerging financial needs of teenagers and their access to financial products were largely ignored. The team developed such ideas for programs and services and presented their findings and recommendations to the bank for implementation. And finally, for their school district, the value of field studies. A student team was formed to determine student and local area business partner interest in having student teams conduct field studies that had value for both businesses and students as an educational experience. The, student found, the students found that interest was high from both businesses and students and they reported their findings, conclusions, and recommendations to the school district. The students recommended that such a program be implemented at the two district high schools. Unfortunately, however, the school district concluded that it had neither the resources nor the interest in pursuing such program. That was sad. While the value of the field study experience from the perspective of the students was high, there was considerable disappointment by the students and several local area businesses that the school district did not see fit to create and implement such a program. Now for each of the field studies that I've described, a position description was written for the students in the form of a work-based learning agreement 
in which they agreed to perform the tasks and assignments that were articulated in the agreement. And each one of these tasks and assignment was connected to the critical skills so that in the end, authentic assessment could be done. Now, an example of one of these position descriptions for a field study research assistant is as follows for a different research that, uh, project that we did. And I'll read this directly. The field study research assistant will serve as a member of the field study team to investigate the value college admissions directors place on school-to-work activities and contribute in all phases of the project. He or she will participate in the creation of the project, drafting and submitting the confirmation letter, creating the interview guide, determining the individuals to be interviewed, interviewing, and analyzing the data. He or she will assist in developing the findings, conclusions, and recommendations based on the data collected in the interview process. And he, and she, he or she will then assist in the preparation of the final field study report and served as an active participant in presenting the report to the client and other interested parties. The specific tasks and assignments that were written for this particular field study are as follows. And again, these were connected to the critical skills, but I won't show you the connection. I'll read them in order. Serve in a general capacity as a field, member of the field study research team, as a field study research assistant, and perform such duties as may be required in support of the team effort. That's the overall catch-all task. Participate in setup meetings with the team, client and classroom teacher, to define and plan the project. Participate in the creation and submission of the project confirmation letter. Participate in the design of the interview guide to interview college admissions officials to be used during all interviews. This interview guide will be focused on gaining these officials' views regarding the value of school-to-work activities in the college admissions process. Participate in identifying appropriate colleges and universities who will be interviewed. Ensure that these organizations are representative of the college and universities which graduates of college-bound high schools aspire to attend. Include in this group the appropriate mix of top-tier, middle-tier, and lower-tier institutions as defined by the most recent publications. Participate as an interviewer and conduct appropriate share of the, your appropriate share of the interviews. Ensure that all interview questions are exa asked exactly as they are written in the interview guide. Ask appropriate follow-up questions as necessary to probe that into answers that you feel will be helpful to the survey and to develop anecdotes for use in the report. Take complete notes and summarize your notes following each, each interview. Participate in the development of findings, conclusions, and recommendations. Develop the findings directly from the interview notes and ensure that all findings are backed up completely by the facts. Develop the conclusions from the findings and ensure that all conclusions are supported completely from the facts and the findings. Develop recommendations from the conclusions and findings and ensure that they are supported completely. And then participate in, pre in preparing an oral and written report for the presentation to the client and to other interested organizations or individuals. Prepare this report in Microsoft PowerPoint in order that it may be electronically shared on a nationwide basis over the internet. And finally, participate in presenting the report to the client and to appropriate groups. Now here are some guidelines for fielding a field study team. 
In general, finding students who might be interested in conducting field studies, either for credit in the school or as an extra ac extracurricular activity, is not difficult. The difficulty lies in finding the right students who will work productively as members of a team toward completing the work. Based on one field study conducted by students to determine the level of interest by local business partners regarding student-led field studies, business partners prefer students who are mature, intelligent, have good but not necessarily the top grades, and will make a professional commitment to spend quality time addressing their problems. Students need to be mature and intelligent, but not necessarily have the top grades. That is to say, you don't have to choose the National Honor Society students to do a field study. Secondly, students must make a genuine commitment to spend quality time on the project. Third, students must recognize that such projects represent professional commitments. That is to say, if they don't produce, they won't get credit, and they will receive an assessment of their performance based on direct observation, that sort of thing. Students who might be considered underachievers, but who have the characteristics of intelligence and reliability, are ideally suited for field studies. Such projects often bring a high degree of meaning to these students and motivate them toward greater learning. With initial field studies in schools, it appears that a first field study team might best be comprised by students who are juniors in the 11th grade. And there are two reasons for this. One, juniors tend to be less distracted than seniors, who are often preoccupied by college selection and other matters. Secondly, juniors provide an excellent farm team for developing experienced students to serve as team captains for field studies during their subsequent years. Care should be taken to ensure that the field study team has one highly responsible individual as a member of the team. This individual should be designated as the team captain and be the focal point for leading other students during the field study experience. The team captain generally works closely with the faculty supervisor and the educational partner and manages the difficult tasks of scheduling interviews and keeping the project on track. Time and effort are required in selecting an effective field study team. This effort, however, will pay off in enabling students to work together and overcome the inevitable conflicts that will occur in conducting projects that require careful management of their time and effort. And during the initial field studies, the duties and tasks for each team member were explained to them in general terms. Later on, however, we became a bit more formal because of the need to assess team member performance. And this was the creation of the position description of the team members as well as for the team captain, and it's what I read before. Careful creation of such a position description or work-based learning agreement and connecting it to the appropriate skills gives you a solid basis to perform authentic assessment. Now I think it's time to share some reflections on this whole field study process, so I'll give them to you. At first, we weren't sure whether the high school students had the ability to conduct field studies. So during my first adventure with a team of eager young students, we had our doubts, and they did too. However, after explaining in detail at the beginning of the field study what was going to be expected of them, we were encouraged by their confidence and willingness to listen and to apply the techniques in the process of conducting their field study. 
As time wore on during the project, our confidence grew, and so did theirs. They understood and respected each of their roles in the project and were willing to take and apply guidance. That was really impressive. The hardest part of the first field study, and in some of the subsequent projects, was to convince the students to use the interview guides verbatim, and especially to take good notes during each interview. At first they didn't understand why they should summarize their notes at the end of each interview, but after participating in the development of findings phase of the analysis, they understood and appreciated the value of summarization. We encouraged them to do the same sort of thing in school. Later feedback showed some of the students revealed that they were adopting that practice. Selecting a team captain was an important step in each of the field studies we supervised. It was especially helpful if the students selected for that role had some experience as a field study team member previously and knew what to do. It wasn't surprising to learn that the students, even the smartest ones, had difficulty writing clear sentences to express their thoughts. During each field study, we spent a considerable amount of time in, write, in the writing process, and it did not take long for the students to understand that it is very difficult, if not impossible, to write final copy on the first attempt. They learned to throw something on the wall, to write a sentence that tried to express their thoughts, and then debate among themselves on how to make the sentence clear and understandable. They learned how to take constructive criticism from their fellow team members, and even when a team member would say, that just doesn't make any sense to me. It was gratifying to see how the students learned how to listen and to follow up what they heard with probing questions. When we had a chance to accompany two students to an interview, we became increasingly impressed with their ability to focus on the answers to these questions, on the questions they asked, and then follow up with the individual being interviewed with questions that were on point. They learned to ask for, example, for examples of what the interviewer, interviewee, was talking about and took care to write down the answers to obtain meaningful quotes that could be used anonymously in their oral and written reports. The most impressive observations of student learning were their discovery and eventual practice of deriving findings and conclusions based on facts. They were literally learning and practice the information and analysis skills, the critical thinking, they learned to test their facts for truth and make sure that those true facts were the basis from which they developed their findings. They learned to apply P implies Q. They learned that in order to develop solid conclusions, they needed hypotheses or premises that were true. During the course of each field study, the team had many discussions about the analytical process. The most difficult element of the process for them seemed to be learning the difference between a fact and a finding. They learned that findings are statements about what the facts mean. From solid findings, they developed confidence in drawing appropriate conclusions. The students were uniformly surprised at the ease of writing the final report because they had spent so much time developing and clearly articulating their findings, conclusions, and recommendations. They learned that if they presented their report in the logical sequence of findings, conclusions, and recommendations, their client could easily follow what they were reporting and accept their recommendations. Those they could implement, actually, and willingly. The students learned the value of reading verbatim their findings, conclusions, and recommendations during their oral presentation. They understood how much time and effort had been spent in writing these sentences 
and they understood the value of not deviating or winging it when making their presentation. After they had all read these sentences during their presentations, they felt comfortable explaining the supporting bullet points in their own words and providing quotes and or anecdotes to provide some color and variety in their presentation. The students took a lot of pride in their work and they had a feeling of real accomplishment when they learned that their client had indeed taken their recommendations seriously and had actually implemented them. In a sense, they found that they could actually make something happen by offering well-conceived recommendations based on the hard evidence in their findings and conclusions. Assessing the performance of the students during the course of their field study and after each field study was quite easy particularly because we had the written position descriptions for the team members and the team captain articulating exactly what each was expected to do through their performance during the conduct of the project. Given the students a true false or multiple choice test at the end of a field study would have been ludicrous and for that matter totally irrelevant. Such examinations don't have the ability to assess what students have learned regarding the critical skills which the field study experience was intended to teach. Authentic assessment was the only way to assess the performance, and that sort of assessment process is what is really used in the real world. We were impressed with the willingness and enthusiasm shown by the administrators of the two high schools when, uh, with whom we partnered in conducting the field studies with, with the student teams. Particularly, we'd like to thank Dr. Chuck Baker from Wheaton-Warrenville South High School in Wheaton, Illinois, and Dr. Tom Trengove, who was the assistant principal at Wheaton North High School. These forward-thinking educators understood what field studies were intended to accomplish. We'd also like to thank many students with whom we had the privilege of participating in the field studies they conducted so well. In particularly, there's one individual I would like to particularly thank, and that is Mr. Joe McKee, who not only participated in many field studies as a team captain, but took the initiative of contributing to documentation of the field study process. Participation in a field study at the high school, middle school, or college level is an experience which many more students should and could experience. Not only do such in-depth exercises provide them with confidence in their ability to face real-world problems, they demonstrate that real-life skills can be taught and that in addition to preparing for college or careers, students can make meaningful contributions to their local businesses, governments, charitable organizations, and to their schools. Well, that's it about field studies. Field studies are hard to supervise. They take work, but they're effective, and they put to use the Socratic method in teaching the critical skills. Now, in episode 18 next week, we're going to start the interview series. We're going to start out by having a chat, chat with the father of School to Work, Dr. Arnold Packer. Following that and in next episodes, we'll continue the interview process of talking with people who are the movers and shakers in the world of teaching critical skills. So in the meantime, give some thought to these critical skills. And again, they are communications, production, information, analysis, technology, interpersonal, time management, and continuous education. My name is Charlie Jett, and I thank you all for joining me as we continue our journey that is all about skills. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.